Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Dan Kerr, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. He teaches in uh, both Brooklyn and Manhattan, in Brooklyn and Park Slope, Carroll Gardens area, and in Manhattan, the Upper West Side, and Union Square. And we're going to talk today about how the Alexander Technique can help people who are suffering uh, from pain or injury, uh, particularly chronic injuries. Or, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Dan's own experience with that, those issues and how he now works with people to, to help them. Um, Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Robert. Thanks for having me. Good to good to talk to you. This is actually our second conversation. We did one earlier on his work with swimmers, but we're going to talk right now about uh, pain, injury, and stress. And uh, before we before you tell your your story, um, maybe you could just say give a very short definition or description of the Alexander technique. Uh, the Alexander Technique is a process for synchronizing mind and body and starting to become more aware of habits that may be interfering, you know, for, in the, for instance, in the context of what we're talking about that are interfering with one's well-being that are causing pain and lear- learning how to change those habits. Right. And y- your interest in the technique, I believe, grew out of your own ser- a serious injury that you you suffered it at one point. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, my interest was um, a, a desperate interest in the beginning. I um, I developed a repetitive stress injury along with some kind of uh, peripheral neuropathy in my mid-20s where I went from being a very healthy young man to, in the span of several months, being unable to type at all in my computer because of severe pain. I I couldn't hold a book for a year and a half or carry a bag. Um, I, uh, you know, I I was using my, my toes to dial my phone. So I I was in really very disabled and unable to work. And I tried a lot of different treatments and uh, therapies. And the Alexander technique was this very consistent thread throughout that, those years and months of, of you know, helping support my recovery. Mm-hmm. And do you, looking back on it, do you, do you attribute that the injury to as being sort of re- repetitive strain injury from just overuse, misuse, and overuse, or were you was it some kind of more medical condition that was not altogether related to what you were doing? I think it's that it's some kind of, it's a whole big knot and I don't think I'll ever totally unravel it, but I think it was a combination of use. I definitely, you know, I was, I, I slumped. I didn't have really good posture as I typed. I was undergoing a lot of stress at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was ironically applying to graduate school to be a writer and then was unable to either type or read for (laughs) Uh, you know, almost two years afterwards. Uh, and then also this kind of, there seemed in my system, according to a lot of the tests that I had and doctors, that there 
there was also something exacerbating things in my system, a muscle disease or a neuropathy. Mm-hmm. And w- when you, before this um, came up, were you were you spending long hours at a computer or typewriter, or what what was going on? What what was your daily activity like before this all happened? Well, I will say that I did in this period before this activity, I was not swimming. I I used to swim and run and I was not doing either of that as much. I was waking up early in the morning, 5.30, and I would write for maybe an hour and a half or two before work, work on my portfolio. I'd go to work and at work I used a computer. Mm -hmm. I I worked about an eight eight or nine hour day and then I would come home and sometimes I would either write or, or do more reading. So I certainly was I was at the computer a lot, and I think when I was at the computer, there was a lot of intensity there, both from pressure to write, and I had a really stressful time at work. With There were some layoffs, and I had a new boss, and, and so things were, were pressured at work as well. So from your perspective as an Alexander student at that point, what was the technique showing you that was missing from other therapies or processes you were exploring? I didn't know how to do the things I wanted to do in my life any differently than the way I had always done them. So I didn't know how to sit differently. I didn't know how to use my phone differently or carry my backpack differently. And so basically I was having to either not do those things at all, Mm -hmm. which was you know, kind of disheartening to not be able to cook at all or or sit without a lot of pain. Or I was having to do them and just be in incredible pain. And so the Alexander technique was this kind of inroads into learning how to do and be different, be differently, you know, in these things I did every day. And it was also very calming too. You know, it was, it was a, my nervous system was constantly kind of elevated from pain and Stress. It was also a very contentious time. I had a workers' compensation case, and uh, you know, it was very stressful to be in your mid twenties and not know if you're ever going to be able to really use your hands again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, this helped calm my nervous system so that I could kind of bring myself down from this frantic kind of crisis. And and when mindset. you say that it 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 the technique showed you different ways of doing standard activities like sitting or or holding something or working at a keyboard. Could you elaborate on that a little bit just so our listeners have a better understanding of what you mean by that? What what's an example of a different way of sitting and how how did the technique help you with that? Sure. So, you know, I think probably a lot of people can relate to this that I I had basically two ways of sitting in my repertoire. Mm-hmm. One of the ways of sitting was slumping, mm-hmm. and then the the other way of sitting was trying to have good posture where I would kind of lift my chest, arch my back, and it was uncomfortable, and I couldn't hold it for very long, and I couldn't breathe very well. And both of those ways of sitting uh, really inflamed my arms. I had you know in, inflammation in, uh, in my arms, and so it really inflamed it because it reduced the blood flow it it added compression onto those joints. And so what my teacher worked with me on was actually starting by with her hands and some verbal guidance, 
kind of helping show me that my spine can actually lengthen all the way from my sit bones, you know, where I'm sitting on the chair from, all the way up my spine, through my neck, and up to the top of my head so that my posture can become natural and long, which allows there to be more blood flow in my arms, better breathing, which is more oxygenation to my kind of inflamed muscles. So it was a more easeful way of sitting that was in between slumping and trying too hard to sit up straight. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that slumping is is doing a lot of unnecessary muscular work. Uh, it's pulling yourself in and forward, and people who've been doing it for a long time don't sense that that effort, but it is a lot of effort, and it certainly shortens and contracts your body. And as you say, the tendency is to fight it by going in the opposite direction and then what happens is you'll get a couple of habits fighting each other and that, that's not good and you're kind of missing a whole middle area where you're not pulling yourself down and forward or back and down um, that's it sounds like right. that's kind of what what your teacher was showing you that there's yeah. a way to sit without create without generating all that extra work of which you I'm going to guess you were not aware that you were working so hard to slump no you know it felt like a neutral position but it it really the more I became aware of it through my teacher like the more I realized that it is not neutral at all and it was causing all sorts of harm to my to my body mm -hmm. I think it's a good example also of how in general, whatever our habits have been for a while, that's even no matter how bizarre or distorting those habits may be, they do tend to feel right to us. And I think that's one of the big insights that Alexander yeah. had and that not to discount feelings, but they're not always accurate. Physical yeah. feeling, a physical sensation kind of feelings. They're not always accurate. So eventually, I assume that you you got back to a more normal lifestyle. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I did. I you know I I enrolled in when I enrolled in training to be an Alexander teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a three year training, and in the beginning, I couldn't lift a stool, and I really couldn't hold a book to do the reading. And you know, just even in that first nine months of training. I was there every day, and so much was changing uh, in my in my body. And you know, by the time I graduated, my wife had a baby right after five, five days after I graduated from training. And you know, I was able to hold the baby, and you know, ch change diapers, and do all the things around the house that you know that I that I wanted to. Now, I I still have I still have pain, and that's something that I you know I like to make clear to students that it's not that everything has been wiped away, but I'm in such a more sustainable kind of condition than I was before. And the ironic thing is that even though, for instance, I use voice recognition to control my computer, mm -hmm. even though I can't type really the way that I used to, I am healthier than I was when I was 24 in some ways because I just have a lot more vitality and energy and my body is just in it's it's more like how it it should be you know it's more natural it's more open mm -hmm. 
So, so I mean, yeah, I guess we should make really clear to our listeners that the uh, Alexander Technique is not a therapy and it's not a magic bullet that's going to solve all your problems, but maybe a better way to describe it would be it's a way of learning how to make the best use of what's available. That's, I think that's right. And, you know, you could, there are pills that I can take that would, in some ways, there are, there are pills people can take that will, can help with pain, not make you go away, but they can help. But there are a lot of, you know, often side effects with, with those. And the Alexander Technique, there aren't really negative side effects with this process because it's a very conservative approach and it's your body basically returning to a more natural kind of qualities of, you know, expansion and openness and ease, you know? So even if there is still some pain or some of the original condition, the whole body and, you know, itself, the system is, is kind of in better shape, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's worth saying that the whole Alexander, technique teaching approach is one that doesn't have as part of it an idea that someone needs to change at a certain predetermined rate that that people are different some people can make very quick dramatic changes and that's nice and some people it may seem to be kind of on the slow side but ultimately pretty profound so it's it's very respectful of the individual there's no um, pushing a student to go faster, so to speak. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So in your in your teaching practice now, I assume you that you have students that come to you for issues somewhat similar to the ones you faced all those years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, how how do you how do you work with someone who's in a lot of pain and uh, I mean part of the Alexander technique teaching process is helping people to change the way they think about movement sometimes uh, in my experience people in a lot of pain aren't really in a good place to mobilize their thinking all that much uh, how, how do you how do you work with people in that in that or in that I- situation I think that's a really good point that, you know, sometimes someone will walk into my studio for a lesson and they're dealing with a lot of pain and basically they're, they're, there's like alarms going off in their brain. There are deep, kind of deep-rooted human, you know, responses to being in pain and, and, and there's adrenaline pumping mm-hmm. and they can't think straight and they're breathing shallowed and they're panicked and I can really relate to that and so to ask someone there to you know, just immediately start thinking clearly there, we need to kind of bring them down a little bit, calm them. I don't mean bring them down. I mean, sort of calm this kind of, uh, this startle response that's happening. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll start a student who's in a lot of pain on the table, you know, on, on like a padded uh, massage table Mm -hmm. and I'll start to work on them, uh, with my hands and start to kind of start to bring down the, the, the kind of the crisis a little bit. I mean, that's, that's one way in a very kind of concrete way. But another way I really try to work with people with chronic pain is that I feel like you have to go towards the, you know, you have to start from the outside. And so from the outside are often when people in chronic pain notice that they're in pain or realize that they're in pain, we, they have all sorts of responses 
to kind of protect themselves from that pain. They stiffen their lower back, let's say, if it's lower back pain, or if it's neck pain, they raise their shoulders. All of these kinds of responses that at one point maybe helped a little bit with the pain, but are now these kind of unconscious little ticks that we all have, it's starting to kind of undo those uh, responses that allow a person to c- come more into balance so that th- they can start to really open up and their their whole body can start to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but, but again, you would, you would, you, you, you might proceed kind of slowly, right? With someone yeah. in that situation, you're not going to get them to start doing some major activity or totally try to change the way they're thinking, that kind of thing. But, it, but for example, um, I mean, I'm thinking of the way I, I tend to work with, with students is, is, typically very much getting them to start self-directing as quickly as possible maybe a little more quickly than some other teachers might do but um i i certainly get students who come in where that's just not going to work um it's pretty clear that they there's no point in getting them to direct so i do the sort of thing you do i might just work with them in a chair on a chair, just sitting if they can be comfortable sitting for a while, or as you say, on, on the table. Um, anything else that sort of might be of interest to someone listening to this who is having the kind of chronic pain issues? Uh, anything else you would say to them about how the technique might might be useful for them? Well, I think one of the ways that you know, one of the things for people with chronic pain is that we often, and I say we as someone who has it and has been working with it, is that we often, as soon as we notice we're in pain, maybe it's the kind of culture we're in, I'm not sure, there's this immediate kind of impulse to change it, to mm-hmm. make, it go, make it go away by remembering something you learned in, from your physical therapist or from Pilates or yoga or whatever, you know, sit up straight, stiffen your core, whatever, all these things. And sometimes those initial responses that we barely even notice really end up trapping the pain in a person because the person tends to over-stiffen and tighten in those areas. So actually, it's this, I often find this process of becoming aware of, you know, the pain or the, or the injury and and not immediately trying to change it is actually the first step to really changing the changing the the patterns and the habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree a hundred percent with that. I th- I do think it's a Western thing, um, West as opposed to Asia or whatever, that we we je- we want to fix things. Something's wrong, and we want to fix them, and so we want to do something about the problem. And the Alexander Technique approach is, is very different than that in a fundamental way. We're more interested in let's find out what you're doing or help you find out what you're doing that may be contributing to the problem. And as you say, maybe even hanging out there a bit so you're really clear what it is you're doing and then take some steps to stop doing it. So we're more interested in not doing things than bringing new things in to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, and, and I should say that the motivation for staying with the, what you notice about your pain, for acknowledging it and just not trying to immediately change it is, is actually in some ways I think the best way of trying to deal with the problem because what, you, what I really find time and time again is that in that space of not immediately trying to change it, the body generally starts to open up a little bit and your body starts to process this whatever the condition is in a, in a different way than immediately trying to make it go away. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's, it's ironic that sometimes a, just staying with the pain actually by itself helps alleviate it to a certain extent. And, exactly. and also gives you that – gives you time to not just know there's pain there – but get some idea of how you've organized your body to create that pain or mm. contribute to it so that you have a better you're better able to recognize that pattern at early stages and say no to it just better able to uh release it by knowing more about it yes and I, and i and i just want to say you know to be very careful you know, I often people with chronic pain, they somehow feel some like responsible mm -hmm. for their pain, you know, that they've mm -hmm. create like they've created it in some, you know, kind of guilt, guilty sense. And I just want to say that you and I are both talking about your kind of the role we can play in undoing it is a way of talking about it. Yeah, you know, we're not really into assigning guilt to our exactly. Students. <laughs> yeah. No, no one wants to be in, yeah. in pain, you know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this might be um, a good place to end our conversation. Um, my guest today has been uh, Dan Kayer, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. He works in Brooklyn and, and Park Slope and Carroll Gardens and the Upper West Side uh, in Manhattan and Union Square. We'll put a link to his website by the interview, and if you live in the New York area, uh, you can get hold of him. And we'll also put a link to a site where you can find uh, an Alexander teacher where you're located if, if, um, and, and explore some of the things that, uh, that we've been talking about. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Robert.